What's up? We return. Hello, friends. <laughs> How are we um, doing? Hi, everybody. Are we back? I believe. I believe yes, we, are. we are. I believe we are back. Right, Online. Cool. <laughs> Online. The best uh, line. Very good. All right. Um, cool. So we have some good. Um, all right, everybody. So uh, we have here with us. Yes, Sam, aka ZLZ, uh, Donuts, and Nahamsek. What's up, y'all? How's it going? How's it going? It's going. So, uh, the Bunties, the Bug Bunties. The Bug Bounties, yes. To just kind of just talk about Bug Bounty stuff. I mean, all of you here, uh, you know, the people who are our guests tonight are people who've, you know, had some pretty high profile stuff happen. Um, they are contributing to the communities in general and trying to teach people about bug bounties. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have anybody here has anything they want to start off with for, I guess, things they might want to share. Um, or maybe we can even just start by introducing yourselves. I think Donna should go first. You're an asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Donut. Uh, not like compared to like Sam and Nahamsek, I've not been doing bug bounty quite as long. I think I actually just passed like a year uh, pretty recently. Um, but I had like some prior infosec experience, and I got involved with bug bounties. Start. I started on the triager side, where I was uh, triaging for my work. So we have a program, and uh, kind of like saw the kind of stuff that was coming in. And I was like. Yo, what the hell? These people are getting paid thousands of bucks for this shit. So I, I wanted to get involved in it as well. And so now I'm here. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm Sam, ZLZ. Uh, I've been doing bug bounty like full time for like three years. Uh, I started like right after I got out of high school. Uh, tried going to university for a little bit, but just like went back to doing bug bounty stuff. Uh, I've been doing like live events this year so there's been like a lot of cool stuff with that uh i got a fun story with that with with donna as well uh and i worked with i worked with ben for about uh i think like six months as a triager i think last year or maybe two years ago but yeah awesome and you guys are you guys are both doing that uh full time like that's that's what you're doing I don't do it full-time, actually. It's just a part-time thing. Okay, right. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I've been around bug bounties for, I want to say, five years since Hacker One was a thing. I was at Bug Route for a while. Um, I've been around for five, six years, uh, product of bug bounties. So I, I owe my entire career to bug bounties, to be honest. Um, didn't have much to go enough for me in school and found bug bounties and people getting paid when Yahoo was the only program on Hacker One paying. And I've been sticking around since. That's great. So uh, I had a, a, a little confusion with uh, Whitey Cracker last night when when uh, Sam's name, ZLZ's name popped up. And you're not old enough to drink yet, are you? No. Yeah, because I was like, we were at DEF CON though. Like we were, in a, we were standing in a bar. Like, and, yeah, yeah, so anyway. I think, are you talking about the bug crowd party? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's... I feel like it's weird because, like, with with like half the events, they're like 
they'll they'll grab you by your wrist and be like, hey, show me your ID. I mean, I, the thing is, I don't drink alcohol, so it's really annoying, like going to DefCon because it's like oh. I want to hang out with people or whatever. Yeah, but like the bug credit event, I don't know. They just kind of let me through. So yeah, well, I mean, the legal drinking age in Australia is eighteen. So like when Australians go to Vegas, it's kind of like everyone tries to get in everywhere anyway because like what's this stupid 21 shit but um back to the topic uh so you you guys do pretty well in bug bounties i guess um sort of like seems to be quite a big divide uh, between people who are making a living and people who are making some money um so doing it full time i guess like how many hours a week would you say between you guys you kind of like sit down and just actually go at stuff versus uh leaving scripts like scanning or recon or whatever okay yeah uh just a question like ben were you did you ever work as a full-time i think i think when yahoo came out you said you're working full-time as a bug money hunter but is that yeah. right yeah i did it full-time for a while but i didn't i didn't enjoy it i made decent money from it but i mean when you're hacking for me it was just more of a but when you're relying on the money to pay your bills and you're already broke in college, it doesn't work out. So I quit doing it full-time and got a job. Yeah. Um, I got better at it and I don't do it full-time, but I make more at my day job. Yeah. I think, I think that's sort of what I'm running into right now is like, uh, I think doing it full-time, like you're, you're totally capable if like you're someone who's, you know, by yourself and you don't have a lot of obligations. I think the trick to it is like, uh, when I first got into it, I was working like a really crappy, like pretty crappy job. You know, I really didn't like it, but I like made enough to be able to like, have a few months worth of like, you know, payment if I needed it. Uh, and then like, once I had that, it was, I was able to go from there and then like, uh, contribute when I wanted to. The thing that's annoying is like, uh, like, let's say like you're doing terrible, then it starts getting stressful and then you can't really find bugs when you're stressed out. Like I, myself, like if, if I've ever been in a situation where it's like, Oh crap, like you know, next month rent is up and I have to like find a bug. It's like never possible. Cause you're not in the right mindset for it. I think like if you have enough money to just like kind of, be okay for a little bit and then like you kind of just enjoy hacking you can kind of just do what you want to do like i feel like for like the full-time bug bounty hunters it's kind of like people who play video games right like if you enjoy video games you kind of just do that like instinctively right and i like enjoy like hacking things so it's like easy easier to do but i definitely i would never suggest like full-time to anybody especially like i mean there are like few people i think who i, I think it would be less about capability and more about just like do you enjoy doing it you know what i mean I think it's interesting that you say it's uh, just how you enjoy it. But my question is, how how many times do you like have something that you want to do and you just never get around to it? Like, does that ever like bother you at all? Or oh yeah, do you mean like uh, like things I want to do within Bug Bounty or like things? Yeah, I want like, to I'm sure you've probably got like a text file of like probably like oh, kind okay. of kind of different things you want to look at, right? Like yeah, how so do you like do them all? It's, it's really hard. Like a lot of times I'll be like, I was working with another researcher yet and uh, we were looking at this like really obscure functionality and like, we're like, Oh my God, this, this domain's in scope. And like, we're like digging like this rabbit hole. And then it's like, wait, wait, we're, we're supposed to be focusing on this other thing. So we had to like jump back to it. Cause we knew like, if we spend time on this new thing, we're never going to find a bug. So like, I don't know, it, there are, there's a lot of stuff that I really want to spend time on, but like circumstantially it, it's hard to do. There was recently, uh, there was like, for the past couple of months, we've, I've been doing, uh, with Donut actually too, uh, we were doing like live hacking events, uh, which are really interesting, right? So those are like, there'll be like one, one or two companies, 
typically it's just one, but you'll get like pulled to an event where like you get given a target scope and then you've got like a couple weeks to find bugs and then you submit them like within those few weeks. But once you get to the event, like there's like a leaderboard and stuff. So like, it's kind of nice cause it gives you like a target to like actually hack on, I guess. So, um, a lot of the live events, I guess, uh, are invitational events as well. Um, yeah. So it's probably like, if what uh, maybe what advice could you give on people who are currently doing internet bug bounties that want to make it to a live event? Yeah, so it's really it's really interesting because there's a lot of like people have a lot of different feedback for about this, right? Um, I think live events a lot of times it's really hard for like take a company like HackerOne and you really want to be able to like. I think HackerOne, if they could, would like easily like, or like HackerOne or BugCrowd would use, like would want to have a lot of people at these events if they could, where it's like a, a lot of people hacking on one program. But I think the idea of like an event where like you kind of have to like earn your way there and go there and like then hack on the target is kind of interesting. That's more incentivized. But I think if you wanted to get there, like to hack on like a, a live target, I think it's like one is like community. Uh, if you're like within the community and you're giving like, you're contributing things like, uh, tools, research, blogs, uh, that's a huge thing, right? Like if you kind of know your way around and like are able to like give like things back to the community, that's, you know, good. People kind of know who you are. Uh, if you're like a good hunter, right? If you're improving, if you've got a great signal uh, and you kind of like are able to do well under pressure, which is kind of what the live events are, right? Uh, I think there's like, you, you'd be kind of one of the people who would be invited to the events. Uh, I think it's kind of a hard transition because like, most of the people who are at events, uh, it's, well, at least for me personally, I've noticed there's a lot of the same people who go to the live hacking events. And then uh, there's like a different pool each time of people who are, you know, kind of newer people or people who are like kind of blowing up a little bit and are able to do stuff. And I think it's kind of like a trial and error type thing where it's, where it's not necessarily like, is this re researcher going to perform well at live events? But it's kind of like, uh, can you perform well under pressure at these events? And I don't know, that, that's just my view on it. Uh, I think the platforms that are kind of working on like a technical way that people can sort of earn their way to events. I know HackerOne, for instance, Ben can talk more about this as well, uh, does like CTFs. And if you, you know, complete the CTF or one of like the th first three people or whatever, you get like a paid invitation to like, for instance, I think there was one for 702 this year. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned contributing uh, back to the community. Um, like in regards to like bugs, like write-ups and things like that uh, after something has been triaged. Like, how do you feel about sharing, you know, uh, something that is going to help basically your competition make money and potentially you make less money? Like, is it? It's, it's I, a big conversation. Um, sorry to jump in. It's a, it's a huge conversation because like at the end of the day, there's so many different programs. Some of these programs are private. Not every hacker is on all these programs, right? And if as long as you're not the only person sharing in the community and there's other people sharing new tools, new articles, new write-ups, new bugs, whatever that is, I think it balances itself out. But also you're right. Like if I find a new technique, I'm not going to write it up immediately. I'm going to do my research. And I think that's what most hackers do. They go into their research. They try to make as much money on this uh, you know, new technique or new vuln type they found. And then they start slowly, uh, you know, pushing it out to the public, whether it's a talk or, um, a blog post and kind of taking credit for that work, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think it's interesting too. I think for the most part, bug bounty is like incredibly collaborative. Uh, maybe there are a few people who are like incredibly like kind of just looking to like leech off other people for bugs and it kind of sucks. But I think as long as you're not really like working with people who are like negative to you and just like enjoy like 
what you're doing, like the research and are able to like contribute alongside you, then it's totally fine. Like for instance, uh, maybe you make a mistake and you work with someone who's like, just kind of like leeching off you. Like I just wouldn't work with them again, you know? Uh, sharing blog posts though. Yeah, like Ben said, like if, if you're, if you do it like, if you feel like you've juiced it enough, then I think it's totally fine to share. And I, I love sharing, you know? So like, mm-hmm. I would much rather like share it than not share it. Something cool. interesting you mentioned a little bit was a uh, pairing in bug bounty hunting. This is something I've heard about a little bit. Uh, could you talk more about what that usually looks like? You know, if you're, you're pairing up with somebody else to, to look into a bug. Yeah. So I'll give you an example of donut. So like, uh, me and me and donut work together at like this, uh, bug kind of event in San Francisco. And, uh, there was a, an event in Las Vegas that was coming up in like two weeks. So like, we we decided in San Francisco that we were going to create a team for the Las Vegas event. And uh, we got like five people together. We're all like pretty good friends and like we all had different skill sets. And I think that's an important thing, right? Uh, like let's say for instance, uh, pairing, I think pairing works really well because a lot of people have different approaches and different like things that they're good at. Like let's say for instance, one person is good at like reconnaissance and they're able to reproduce a particular type of finding like in different environments. And then someone else is like able to find that particular interaction. Like, let's say, for instance, uh, you notice that there's weird stuff going on with, like, I don't know, the x forwarded 4 header, and you're able to, like, access, like, specific targets that you shouldn't able to, like, slash admin via passing, like, a local IP. Uh, and then someone else is like, oh, you know, I'm crazy good at recon. I can find, like, all these different hosts. Then you can just kind of apply that there. But I guess okay. going back to that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. It's different disciplines, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm mean, like, yeah, with, with any, like, with any, like, I don't know with any like work, I guess there's people different disciplines, but I guess one thing too is like being able to like build off excitement off each other. Uh, Like half the time you don't really want to look for stuff. You kind of just want to like poke at something, you know, I think it's really exciting. Like once you find that, like something you can like mess around with, like let's say there's like some like potential service side request forgery and like maybe you didn't really want to find that, but someone's like, Hey, check this out. And then you can kind of just like work it, work it up and like try different things. Yeah. Oh, I guess yeah, um, we, we created a team for like the Las Vegas event and it worked really well together. Uh, we had Andre, Fisher, uh, Donut, there, there's uh, Yassine and uh, a couple other people who were all like just like hacking together on a team and it worked really well. I don't yeah, know, it don't like, feel yeah, it was actually really cool because uh, in a weird way, we kind of like self-organized. We, we kind of like yeah. split off into like working groups. Like I was looking at a particular like a uh, recon source that uh, I wrote a tool before the event to try to find a bunch of uh, shit from that recon source. And so as I was like getting interesting entries, I was sending it over to somebody else and we were splitting up the work of like going through it. And then at the mean- meanwhile, like you seen a Ram sexy, we're off on the side on this other asset, like, they both had an account on the asset and they were testing like interactions between accounts and shit. And then like OXCCB, ZLZ, they were going off and like doing some interesting shit on this other asset where they were kind of like free roaming and looking for stuff. It was really cool. It was a good time. Yeah. It doesn't, to, it doesn't have to be like limited to the live hacking events either. Like I've hacked with a number of hackers uh, through different you know, Slack channels and stuff. And I'm amazed of how many times I've missed something that, you know, they pick up and like, oh shit, you know, we found this um, that I completely looked over. Uh, I think it's the approach and the background you have and how you look at things. Um, so it doesn't have to be limited to just doing it in person. And um, I think a lot of people collaborate when they're, if it's just 
sharing sources for recon or just pointing to the app that they think is vulnerable, but they haven't found anything on it, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, um, so we had a, so, sorry. Sorry. a question from the chat. Uh, there was one from, from Twitter. Um, yeah. Is it Esquiring? Because yeah. Esquiring, so first off, everybody, shout out to Esquiring, Fred Jennings, for, to ask us a question. Um, he made us a GitHub license, which anybody here can use. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't even think add a license like this to GitHub, but apparently it's called the do what the fuck you want to public license <laughs> and it's like the new public license like any other license that you might put on your software and it just says do what the fuck you want to and it looks very professional so shout out to uh fred Jennings. thank you so much for this um, he's a good guy he's actually that he's a pro in that field just fye yeah yes <laughs> um so yeah, his question was, what are your favorite tools or methods for efficient initial investigation slash discovery for bounties? Bash. <laughs> That's in one sentence for me, to be honest. Yeah, I did a lot of scripting over Bash. It's just made it easier for me. Yeah, Bash is so nice. Cause like, I feel like there's so many like little, like it's so hard to find like a concrete, like single tool for like all this different stuff you do in bounty stuff. So I think Bash works yeah. really well if you just want to like throw together a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, wow! You start talking about like making like a shell script with a bunch of different tools to just hit something with. Yeah, that, that actually like alleviates a little bit of my imposter syndrome when it comes to this kind of stuff because I'm new to uh, the whole CTF and bug bunny stuff. Um, never really dove into it super hard. And uh, I find myself relying on a lot of just shell scripting stuff. And it, you know, it's not as hardcore or as interesting as C. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, if it makes you feel better, man, I don't, I don't have a developer background or any programming languages under my belt. I know a little, I know a little bit of Ruby maybe and some Python, but at the end of the day, Bash is my go-to just because it's easier. Wow. When mass stuff at you know you, you, i'm scanning uh, thousands of hosts at once i don't have time to sit down and uh write stuff in ruby and figure out what why it's not working i just put something in bash it's a loop loop through other tools that people have already written and using it already and so wasting my time you know that's, just yeah, well, that's it. so do you think though that if you knew like a scripting language like like more proficiently that it would help you better or would you think that you could like because that's been a, a, a topic that I've seen with people uh, who do bug bounties and CPFs um, who kind of rely on uh, like tools and stuff. But I mean, if you find the tool that works for you, it definitely is valid. There's still results. You know, you're still finding bugs. But do you think that it would be benefit any of you who don't program um, to actually be able to write your own tools? I mean, it does. I mean, you, you can write the stuff that you, you can automate the stuff that you're doing on a regular basis. But at the end of the day, you're, the, the stuff that you're automating with scripting is the recon part, right? Maybe some bugs that are low-hanging fruit, you can automate it in whatever language. At the end of the day, if you don't have the, you know, the fundamental AppSec experience and you don't know how to find these bugs, none of the programming languages are going to help you. That's you can true, be yeah. at scripting, right? But if you don't know how to spot an XSS, which is something easy to do, uh, for most workers, if it's vulnerable, it's a shut up. You can find it easily. If you don't know how to look for those, it doesn't matter how many languages you know. But what I think, about something like uh, like XXE or or you know um, ob object serialization that requires a little bit more 
knowledge. Do you usually just use a payload for that or is that something where you? When I learned about XXC, I learned the basics of XML. <laughs> Easy, just picked up the basics and moved on from it. Yeah, but okay, so object deserialization is a little bit different. Story. better. Yeah. Because you got to find the gadget chains for whatever language. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess uh, just a quick shout out in like tools and stuff to Asset Note. Um, I know that like you know, Nafi and Shabs are both pretty well known within the, uh, and everyone else who's involved with Asset Note now. It's grown significantly. Um, check that out if you're looking to do some recon and some other stuff for your bug bounty programs. Oh yeah, Shabs had a really great talk on uh, what I call like ephemeral ephemeral bugs and how they go about finding those. It's really Really, really interesting for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, so uh, Luminex had asked a few questions in the chat that I, we can um, go through here too. Um, so he asked, uh, or they asked, for people who do uh, bug bounties full time, um, do you have counsel or retainer? Like, do you have any oh, counsel? For like uh, legal or like? Yeah. Oh, in the terms of like, for instance, if like I'm hacking out of like, maybe like uh, get into a legal situation, that's iffy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, not not really. Uh, I mean, like, the one thing I don't think I've ever been in a situation I'd felt like uncomfortable with bug bounty. I mean, there's maybe like a couple times where it's like an issue that's like maybe uh, like for instance, like let's say. I've accidentally find like denial of service on a target that's like sending one post request, right? And on that terms of service, it's out of scope. Like sometimes that's the most like iffy situation I'll get into for like bug bounty. Uh, I, I don't think there are like many situations unless you're like explicitly going for those situations where it's necessary. I think there's a lot of, uh, I'm sure like a lot of you guys have heard about it already, but just like a legal bug bounty and the efforts to like actually build like platforms that, you know, provide like actual like legal, uh, support for researchers and like are operating legally because uh, i think a lot of times like a couple of years ago most bug bounty programs were actually like illegal uh but they just kind of had like these clauses where it's like you know we're not going to prosecute you or they maybe they didn't even have that maybe they just had like here's our terms of service we're not really talk about that uh but but i think we're moving to a point now where like it's it's getting a lot better maybe we're not perfect but like i don't think i've ever like felt that i'd need that i guess I guess so. There's been a few talks on. Uh, I think uh, Katie Foster did one on like starting an internal bug bounty program, and the um, the uh, well, the company that she was um, talking on behalf of, I think, was uh, Fitbit. Um, so starting their internal uh, bug bounty program, um, and I guess there's that. That's very different to people who say. Hey, I've got a WordPress site. It's running, you know, it's, I have this like hosting. Can you see if you can hack it? It's like, they don't really own the server or the infrastructure. That's, I guess that's the legal, that's, that's not a real bug bounty. That's a, um, you might get money from a sketchy person if you own a server they don't own. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's like these companies that are doing these bug bounty programs have like giant legal teams. They've probably gone past the legal point with their team and trying to get them to let them do this thing with, uh, with bug bounties. So if they're asked, at the end of the day, they're here to have like build this relationship and like get hackers to find bugs in their products. As long as you're not being, you know, you're not being a dick, they're going to be fine with it. Well, and um, I think that one of the biggest things was the the bug bounty programs like Hacker One and, and Bug Crowd set out a lot of kind of boilerplate policy and guidelines around that stuff. So I think that that's another aspect here. 
Definitely. Yeah, I think I've only had one sketchy situation ever. I got like called at 8 a.m. in the morning because I like I was hacking on this target and the company behind the target was uh, very risk averse, I guess. And while I was hacking it, I was like live tweeting. I was like, oh, oh. wow, I just got this. Oh, yeah. I didn't say where. I didn't say anything about it. It was just talking about a bug. Like I could have been doing a CTF. Nobody would have known. Yeah. And uh, and I was just like, oh, any ideas? And people were suggesting shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. And I was like trying this stuff. And then oh, yeah. I got called at 8 a.m. in the morning. And I had been up till like 4 a.m. the night before. I was like, oh shit, come on. I'm too that's, that's impressive. Impre- impressive awareness on their part. And yeah. I actually I've, fucked up pretty bad. Like I in the recon sense, like I the what pissed them off was that the video that I recorded of the full chain was too big to upload to Hacker One. So I like did an unlisted video on YouTube and I was just like, I don't give a shit. Ooh. So I just dropped the link in there and they were like, oh, this is on YouTube. What the fuck? And then they went and looked at my profile. There's a link to my Twitter, and they see like the whole uh, last night. Uh, uh, and yeah, yeah. So I deleted a Sunday's worth of tweets. Oh, <laughs> I mean, there was that. Um, there was that like shit show with Facebook and Synac when uh, someone like got into the internal stuff for uh, they got into the internal info for Instagram. Instagram, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then Alex, when he was the CISO at Facebook, gave his boss a call and was like, hey, what the fuck? And the dude was pissed because he was just working. He wasn't doing research on their behalf. He just worked there and he was just pissed that he called his boss. And it kind of a dick move, but it is what it is, you know? No offense. So, um, yeah. We were talking at the very start of the show uh, a little bit about when, like, reporting bugs, like, sort of, like, hyping up bugs a little bit. Um, do you guys generally try and like when you're reporting a bug are you going for like the most money or just to get it triaged like what's like what process are you going through in your head when you're submitting the report for someone to read also knowing that you've read them yourself like how, how you, they're perceived i don't know i i think when i first started like it was kind of like whatever right like whatever i could find uh like when the first like year or two it's just like trying to understand application security and like for instance like you explore like cross-site scripting so you try cross-site scripting everywhere but I think it's like time went on. It's just like more and more just like stuff that I've been interested in. Also just going in terms of impact, right? So like over the last year, I've done like a lot of research into like directory traversal and like uh, character injection for like URL stuff. And I've just been like trying that like everywhere. Cause I know that like it's, there's a lot of different like impact. It varies, but I find my research interesting, you know? So I don't think right now, like it's, you know, like trying to get like crazy impact bugs, but it's more just like exploring something new, you know? I think when I'm like writing up reports, uh, the thing going through my mind is, holy fuck, I don't think, I hope this is not a dupe. Like, that's what I'm caring about. Um, in oh, terms okay. of hyping up the bugs, yeah. I actually can't do that. I like, I, I can't do that because I, I've like triaged a fuckload of bugs. And so when I see that, what I'm thinking is like, oh man, I really hope I don't have to explain to this dude why this is not a critical. Yeah. That, yeah. It really sours my mood when I see that. Yeah. So, so like, oh, go ahead. I was going to just like from my experience, like uh, getting reports at a vendor, like I've had somebody uh, give me many hundreds of reports of instances of AES, CBC. I mean, like these are all like padding Oracle. And I was like, none of these are padding Oracle. Um, and, you know, putting, coming, having them come in as critical and like definitely hating 
being like, oh, I can't believe this guy submitted like all this stuff. Like, this is crazy. Um, but on the inverse of that, like, I've never, like, I've never raised the priority of a bug unless it's like doing as part of the triage, you've got like, oh, um, this isn't just a denial of service. This is like a code execution. You know, that's the yeah. sort of difference. But like from a, from a, the other perspective, it's kind of like they want them to be like, you know, a company really wants them to be lower so they pay out less, but you want them to be higher so you get paid more. So if you hype it up, like it's more likely that a bug will get knocked down than a bug will be raised up. It, it's really interesting, actually. I think that like within a pen test, I think you're more they're typically going to be like very like aversive to the report. Uh, like most developers like I've worked with during pen tests are very like, oh, you know, this is like less than it is. But like with bug bounty, I feel like there's almost an incentive for programs to explore the criticality of reports just in, in terms of uh, so researchers don't leverage things farther than they have to. Uh, for instance, right, like let's say you find SQL injection on a domain and you report it and you say, hey, I can do this. You know, here's my SQL error. It's SQL injection. If a team said, well, you didn't prove it by dumping the whole database, then they'd kind of be inviting researchers to like do that. So I feel like a lot of times, like in terms and conditions, they'll be like, hey, if you report something, we'll explore it a little bit further ourselves. That way you don't have to, and we can have someone trusted doing it. Uh, and I've had like a lot of good interactions like that. So I think like, I can definitely see like where you're coming from with like trying to like heighten up reports a little bit. Uh, so people understand, but I kind of have to like side a little bit with Donut, how like, I feel like most researchers who are kind of just like reporting kind of bullshit stuff do that. And I don't think it really helps because like the noise is already just like all over the place with all the other reports. Yeah. I, for for me, like reading reports, you can tell when somebody is is BSing it a little bit. And like there is there's people who will say, Oh, you know, you miss the this specific security header that has no implication for your static site you know, give me $4,000 or whatever. And, and those people are very clearly distinct from the people who are actually doing real research and, and putting effort in time into finding these bugs. Yeah. Wow. yeah. But like, like they're clearing 4000 for little stuff like that though? That's well, no, awesome. they aren't. They aren't, but they're trying to. Oh, I, right? see, like, I see. They're yeah. like, hey, you're not paying me enough for this little thing. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? Uh, what about... Yeah. Like, Seeing people who are actually trying is such a breath of fresh air amongst the sea of totally ridiculous reports. Yeah, totally. What about resubmissions? Like, say, say you've got like a load balancer with like you know five nodes behind it, and they patch like they they hand patch one node, and the same bug. Like, how do you do, do? You go and just like put that in as a whole new bug. Get like pay me again, and do it for, for like That's, every box yeah. behind the balancer. I, I've. I've definitely heard of people doing that in public reports. Uh, I, I think it depends. Um, on one hand, re-reporting stuff across multiple endpoints is iffy because like, that is very possibly just the same technology stack behind it. But also, it's a good way to kind of you know, push people to fix the problem. Yeah, like so they, they hand patch one and then you go like, uh, like let me do six more uh, bug reports and then they basically go, Oh, maybe like wake them up a little bit and maybe, Oh, maybe we should have like patched all the boxes and triage correctly. I, yeah. I, I think one thing that people don't usually think about on the reporting side of things is that, uh, you know, the security team almost always has really good intentions in mind. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure from 
cranes to not, you know, spend engineering resources on fixing whatever it is. So there's a there's a push pull that goes there, and honestly, sometimes researchers reporting legitimate vulnerabilities multiple times can be uh, a good way to push, <laughs> if you get what I mean. Yeah. So uh, you do you want to take this uh, question in the chat? Oh, okay. So how, uh, what about bad vendors? Uh, the people like uh, the vendors that aren't friendly to bug reports. Um, how do you deal with uh, someone that doesn't give a shit? Um, I think it's it's kind of annoying when those like exist. But like honestly, I feel like the researchers kind of we're at a point where you can kind of decide like what you want to do with your time. So I mean, like a lot of times I've heard of like researchers just submitting like a test report. They'll find like maybe an XSS, and they're like, all right, let's test like whether or not this program is good to work with. And like, let's say it gets paid in, like six months. It's like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not gonna spend time there. Uh, but like, if it's like a particular situation where it's like uh, a really big bounty or whatever, like it's really frustrating to deal with. But a lot of times I've had like hacker remediation or like bug crowd like get involved and like kind of like be the voice between the two parties. And it does like work sometimes, uh, but just kind of crappy to deal with, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess those that uh, the one time that actually bothered hard to like go hard on a bug bounty and I submitted all those stuff and uh, it ended up being a talk at B-Sides like and then they gave a shit after that and I ended up getting paid um, but yeah that, I sent them a few emails like hey so if these are all not important do you mind if I talk about them and then they were just like didn't respond so I was like okay then hmm. <laughs> yeah, nice. I'm gonna do this and if you get in my way <laughs> Hey, uh, one thing I'm wondering is if uh, any of you have come across, um, and this would obviously be outside the scope of Hacker One or, or solidified bug bounty programs, but come across people that are soliciting you to work with them in their kind of startup feeling uh, bug bounty shop to work on questionable sites and I guess another way of saying that is have you ever come across people that are trying to get you to own servers that they clearly don't actually have an agreement with and are just trying to trick you into uh, into doing nefarious work for them under the guise of a legitimacy I think I've had more people just bluntly ask me that question than like try to like fake their way. I had a guy that hit me up randomly and then uh, he was just like, I have projects for you. It's kind of like gray hat, black hat. And I'm like, okay, like that's, like, that's what you, that's like, that's what your opener was. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty big red flag. But I get, the, I get the occasional like, Hey, can you hack my girlfriend's Facebook or, you know, your Snapchat? What are you guys posted on that crowd about your mom punishing you? or thinking you're <laughs> yeah, you just gotta say, hey, I, I don't, I don't. People ask me like, hey, do you have websites? I just reply saying no. In the conversation, they go away. Yeah, I think that's nice. usually what I get is like people saying like, hey, can you get into this account? I had this one that was really wild where I'm like, to this day, I'm curious if it was legit or not. But somebody had messaged me, they had like a certain profile picture, and they said, hey, this is my other account. And I had like lost the password or 2FA mechanism or some shit like that uh, is for a Twitter account. And they were like, hey, can you help me get into this? And I looked at the account and it had like the same profile picture, but it clearly hadn't like said anything since some certain time period. I was like, this is 
like 90% bullshit, but like, mm-hmm. I'm curious. Of course I said no, but <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rihanna one, at one point. Oh, uh, Rihanna. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that? I think they went after a bunch of like bug bounty hackers telling him that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This, I, I think we're talking about the same things. Yeah, that, that was uh, I had posted before um, of the person who I, I always said back to them was just Jeff. And then they just went off for like months saying, yeah, Jeff, answer me, Jeff, answer me fast. Like, <laughs> please, sir, like any, any DM that starts with uh, like, oh, that ends with, you know, please reply fast or hello, sir comma comma dot dot comma comma dot <laughs> like that's, they come in like that and you're like oh god nice but it sounds like in general that's not really a thing that happens too often no and if it is it's nothing really like ever serious you know i had one that was really strange and it was like uh somebody who had really 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 good english uh and said they were from china wanted like a government website hacked and they said mm. like the website they obviously didn't like it was a really strange situation uh but i didn't really i don't think i responded to them but it was just really strange yeah that's that's kind of the thing i was getting at is is whether or not you guys have come across that that style of uh <laughs> I, I guess almost social engineering in a way where they're they're lying to you that they lying. have authority I, I don't think it's called social engineering this, this is bad lying yeah, that's, I, I corrected myself right at the end. <laughs> but yeah, where they're just lying, saying that they have authority or they represent this company when they clearly don't, or it it, it seems really suspect. Um, but it, it sounds like they don't really happen a lot. So what's, yeah. uh, what do you think is going to be like, so you've been doing this for a few years now, but it's only been around for like, what, five years, really? Um what's next? Like, do you see more companies getting into it? Do you see, like, I guess, uh, Synac had got kind of, um, moving into more of a, like traditional consulting cross bug bounty thing. Like, I don't know. I feel like they're definitely more like a lot of more platforms are trying to take place and like take hold of little niches. Uh, like I have a friend who's really big into game hacking and he started his own consultancy for like, game hacking bug bounty uh which is really interesting but i got one on linkedin as recently which was like a european bug bounty platform so i feel like people are trying to like uh take up the market right now uh but there definitely seems to be more hunters which is really awesome uh you know bug crowd does like car hacking stuff which is kind of cool uh so hopefully like hopefully it's just like built up a lot more yeah i think there's uh there's also uh a few of the platforms i don't know I've, i haven't been involved with um with any of this, but are doing more internal testing now uh, through Bug Bounty, so like VPN gateways and, and whatnot. Yep. Uh, which is pretty cool as well. Um, moving you off like off that uh, just internet facing stuff. Um, I guess I'd, like one of the th- like one of the things that I think is very effective um, that is the Bug Bounty is not so great at. It is you know white box testing like code code review analysis. It would be interesting to see that in more of a you know sign NDA deal. But I guess the 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 risk is always that the code goes missing or gets released publicly or whatever. Yeah. I think that would be be interesting to add uh, addition to the scene. It's kind of frustrating, honestly. 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I would actually say it's like kind of eking its way into the scene right now. Like at live hacking events, I, what I've noticed, and at least like the bug crowd events, um, and I'm trying to remember, I'm not sure if this happened at 702, but at least at the at the bug crowd event, and then there was one other one, they had people from the target with laptops, like engineers, like walking around and be like, anybody need to see source code? And it was actually really cool. Um, I wish that the... I wish that the interface was a little bit better. I like had to tell the guy like what I was looking for and he had to like try to go through the code to see if he could find it. Uh, spoiler alert, he couldn't, but mm -hmm. it's kind of neat that people are trying that. Cause I definitely, my, from my backgrounds, like traditional code review, AppSec developer kind of stuff. So if I could see code, like I'd be finding things a lot quicker right. uh, yeah. than having to like guess and check. So I, I, I really yeah. hope to see more exploration in that from companies but yeah like at a wide scale it's pretty hard to do was that like, so like, did you have to do nda before that event started i assume i'm sure yeah. there was something i clicked i don't know yeah, yeah we, <laughs> i guess like one like one thing i guess you can imagine uh like everyone's probably familiar with is like imagining the, the sql query in your head when you're doing it black box is like you're like okay the sql query looks something like this when it's all written out so my injection goes here, well, like, you know, when you get that, can I have a look at this query, please? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, there I am. Like, yeah. I think it's, I think it is cool that, uh, they're, it sounds like they're moving towards the direction where that's going to be more and more accessible. So less very cool. Imagining 27 in a joins. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, there's like, let's, there's, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say something stupid. <laughs> I got you. My connection is really bad, so I feel like I am interrupting people constantly. But I was going to say, like, uh, the one thing which is kind of frustrating is, like, modern web applications are so confusing for terms of, like, oh, yeah, like, you want to see the source code for this? Like, okay, this is a request that sends you here, which runs this function, which is, you know, inside of this function. And also just, like, okay, like, slash profile is actually a vhost to, like, this internal box. <laughs> internal box, you have to contact this team in, like, Australia. And it's, like, Oh geez, you know what I mean? Like you're so many layers yeah. deep. Point. I think like what I could totally see that being done, which I think it's done with now, is like uh, teams start like deploying new applications and stuff, you know, and it's like very very well documented. But I, I'm sure like anybody who's worked at pen test knows like they're like, oh yeah, we we want you guys to test this API, and then they don't give you any documentation. You have to like hacky form like the JSON post request. It's like I don't know. Yeah, it's a mess. Like spend so much time doing that sort of like just base level like how do i even make a request to this stupid thing kind well, of thing. The, uh, the javascript frameworks have made things complicated too with something like react yeah express like api yeah, shit like react that. or uh, web assembly is going to be an interesting one when that starts to be more widely used uh yeah it's really ramping up quick isn't it i'm hearing around about uh, circle i think you we might have something to go out in the coming weeks maybe in web assembly Oh, yeah, I do. I made a WebAssembly challenge. It's nice. fun. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, yeah, I, I think um, definitely, like, yeah, that moving away from the, like, sole black box stuff would, would be quite interesting. But um, do you have any more questions from the chat? Has anyone had to deal with a client that has a dedicated support uh, contract for maintenance? Mm -hmm. I uh, I think that's a question. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm misreading that as a question. Okay. 
Oh, I, yeah. I thought it was a question too, though. <laughs> I was like trying to understand how, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What would you guys say, like, if you could pick up like one like skill, like kind of like be better at one thing, what would you guys say you would want to be better at? Oh, I know what I would want to be better at. I, I think don't say rust. Don't no, dude. No, no, no. no. I'm, 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 I'm say good at rust, and I'm the best at regular expressions. <laughs> don't you question that shit? But, <laughs> but I think the one thing that I'd want to get better at is it's purely because I haven't spent a lot of time on it because it doesn't benefit me right now. Is binary exploitation? I can do I the like basics, yeah. and I've like done it just so I could get my toe in the water. I could talk the talk a bit, but yeah. I, I I couldn't sit down and like in six hours hammer out something. Right. Like, yeah, I would, it would like take me reverse, a lot longer to do it. Or, or reverse like a patch. Like, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like for me, like I, I see binary exploitation as like, this is like totally bullshit, but it, it, to me it feels like real hacking and web stuff is just like fucking around because it's just remembering a bunch of interesting silly rules about the web and interesting interactions. And like yeah. I already know that stuff, think, so it doesn't feel as hard. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, do you think it's just because of your, you're currently so familiar with it that it, it feels like, oh, it's nothing. But yeah, I'm pretty in sure reality, it yeah, well, it's probably and just... And I think also, also like XSS and stuff, it's a lot of that. But then there's also certain classes of web bug that, that are more server side, require a little bit more. Like, yeah. yeah, like as, yeah. A, a, like as a flip side to that, laid out. as a flip side like, to that, exactly. like... Um, I feel like I've spoken to some very, very good binary reverse engineers, uh, and, and, you know, who can, who are very good at writing exploits and stuff and they don't, um, know a lot about web and they're like, I need to learn more web. So I guess like the final goal could be something where, you know, you get, uh, like something through like a binary, uh, like a, a remote binary exploitation payload through reverse proxy. Do you understand because you know like the web stuff and then you have you know the target is actually you know um like remote code execution or something like you have buffer overflow or something that kind of goes back to what you were saying about people you know working together in in groups because like there is so you know you could spend a lifetime researching either of those two things and so like if you're getting into real world situations where that stuff's being exploited probably want somebody who is actually really, really good at both of those things. But I don't know if you'll find a single person who's yeah, like great. It feels like though, uh, you know, when you're, when you're online, especially on Twitter and stuff, when people are showing their best sides or showing their best wins, it's easy to get the impression that a lot of people have all those skills in one person. Um, well, but, and it's also just like all those skills is a really massive umbrella. You know, yeah. there's nobody who, who has all the skills in binary reversing or AppSec. You know, yeah, true. Side. Just do you use the magic word, Dan? Can we get the, the online soundboard, please? Uh, <laughs> wait. Which, online. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a, that's the soundboard. Um, oh, is it? Uh, wait, what did I say? Did I say cyber? Oh, yeah. Well, 
Hey, is there any last words that anybody here has for, or any of our guests here have for anybody who is looking to get into Bug Bounty and having heard a lot of the ins and outs of the industry and the culture around it? Um, do you have anything else you want to share or anybody to shout out? I want to give it a, give it a try with the whole getting started in Bug Bounties. Like, there's two things. Anybody that hits me up, asks me, that's non-technical, and I think it's like, in anywhere in life, it works. Is One is perspective. If you wake up saying, I'm not going to find shit, you're not going to fucking find shit. Like perspective has been a huge thing to me. Um, mm-hmm. it, it sounds cheesy and cliche, but honestly, it's been different. Uh, when I wake up saying, you know what, I'm going to pop this thing that I've been working on for a week and not finding anything on. And then the second one is just grinding, which is the same thing as, you know, I've waken up and saying, I'm going to do this. And I've been doing it for two weeks now and nothing. Um, grind and just perspective. Don't give up. Uh, it takes a lot of time. It sometimes takes maybe six months to a year for some people. It took me six months for my first legit bug. When I found a SQLite that you know meant something to me. Um, just don't give up. It takes a while, and there's a lot of competition. But once you get that, you know, once you get into the the groove or whatever you want to call it, and you start getting the idea of how to identify things when you see them, you start having a clearer vision of how things work and how to approach these targets when you see them. Yeah, just just to add on to that really quick, because um, we're running low on time, but. I had put out a uh, a small poll, kind of asking, you know, how long do you do you typically spend? What's your median time that you spend per box for uh, hack the box? And the answers to that were were clearly very much well over six hours, more towards the day plus range. And um, I think not being familiar with it, I had no idea that a majority of people spend a large amount of time on boxes. So I guess the point of me bringing that up is just to uh, echo what you're saying and, and give some new newcomers uh, hope that, yeah, if it takes a long time to get into that box, that's fine. Um, that's yeah. that's just the game. <laughs> yeah, you have to remember this isn't easy for everyone, like for almost anyone, right? Like that's why people are getting paid money to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point too. Yeah, like if it's all right to like jump in on this, like I definitely usually will probably spend like four to six hours to get like my first bug on a target. Um, sometimes awesome. it happens really quick, but like that's luck of the draw at that point. It's usually it's not because I was doing anything special or had some magic sauce. It, it takes a lot of time to really kind of like understand what you're looking at and start identifying like the uh, places of interest. I think. Uh, so it takes a while. Yeah. I think the biggest tip that I have for like new people in the space, though, uh, I mean, to kind of add on to what uh, Nahamsek already said, is you, you need to really understand what impact means. And, and this is, I think, a huge problem in the industry right now. And it makes a lot of people like meme about bug bounty. It's like, oh, bug bounty hunters, what a waste of time. You know, like they're just going to run burp suites, like pass the skinner and submit something. And to be honest, there's a little bit of truth to that. Some people are doing that. And I think like they need to understand what's the actual impact. And so the thing that I usually tell people to try to understand that is you need to pretend that you are like legit black hat. You're actually trying to take this company down. You're trying to actually steal some shit from a user. How would you do that with your finding? And I think a lot of the time they're going to just say, like, if it's bullshit, they're just going to say, but this report got paid. I'm like, well, that's because that program sucks and they shouldn't have paid it. <laughs> like straight up. Absolutely. There's a lot of bad programs and it ruins it for the rest of it. Rest of us. And, and there's a lot of good programs too, though. If you report yeah. stuff that's legitimate, 
people will be able to recognize that like good programs can smell that shit out from a mile away. I think, uh, but yeah, the, the original thing that you're saying of understanding impact and being able to convey that properly is going to likely be the difference between getting paid for your hard work and not. Yeah, I think uh, a good example of, of uh, you know, impact as well is uh, where we had, you know, we talked about earlier in, in the news, the, the baby monitor and the, that in that story, when that uh, thermostat was hacked, the, uh, the thermostat was cranked up in the baby's room to like 38 degrees or Celsius or whatever. Like, so, oh, what the fuck? yeah, the hacker did some, some nasty shit. So like, you know, it might've only been access to like that specific bug might've been pretty crappy. But it had a real world run on effect that uh, impacts can extend a little further than like you know oh it's just a CSRF it's like it's a CSRF that can change the, you know environmental controls that's bad that's worse yeah. exactly and it's interesting because like you can look at the same bug in on two different assets and you get wildly different impacts like I had a um, a CSRF that was like it would you would attach your uh, account via a particular integration to someone's service. Uh, it was like just the standard OAuth, like forgot to check the the, to the state token. And in this particular case, it was like pretty low. I was like surprised that I got like more than $300 for it. And in this other case, it would actually like on this completely different asset, exfil all of their documents. And I just had everything. It was like for some legal target too. So it's like, it's Jeez. super beneficial for you to learn this skill because you'll get more money out of it. The impact yeah. is wild because like there was a time when like Donut and I found the CSS injection and we just didn't want to give up on it. And we turned that uh, CSS injection into uh, C-Surf tokens, which went from a $50 payout to a max payout of $1,500. So that impact thing makes a difference. You just got to figure out how to use it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's something, it's it's the unfortunate uh, part, but those soft skills, uh, they do come in handy. Like you, you got to have at least a little bit of them. Well, it's not even soft skills, just knowing what the impact of the data you have is on the system that you're attacking. True. Yeah. But I, I mean, it being, you know, if even if you know the, the impact, if you're not able to communicate that impact uh, yeah. in a in a way that's <laughs> yeah, if you're overly adversarial <laughs> or you're not clear, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's sort of related. There's like this funny story of uh, somebody found this vulnerability and it, it like leaked a bunch of data, but they weren't from the United States and didn't know what SSN stood for. So they're like asking the report, like, "What is this SSN value?" You know, and they pulled a bunch of I don't know. I, I just thought it's funny. But yeah, they, they they weren't clear for impact there, but <laughs> it's definitely a critical report. If you get the opportunity, go look at some of the like top hacker one reports where they're not legitimate, like their close is invalid, because you get to see some of the bad behavior of people who just are not legitimately aware of the report that they have. I think it's hard too, because like getting into a bug bounty, you really want to find the bug, you know, and like you may find something that's like not necessarily like uh, exploitable or an actual vulnerability. Like let's say you find like post base open redirect, which is like not really an issue. And then like you really try hard to explain like why there's impact there, but 
I guess that's the one thing I like to suggest is like void, like explain to the team how it could be used by an attacker, like what the actual impact is. And then if you can't justify yourself, you'll be fine. You know, like just don't report it. Yeah. And I mean, be willing to, to give up in that kind of situation, because if you keep fighting that, then you're just going to piss everybody off and it's not going to, it's going to make yeah. everybody Mo in that conversation. Exactly. I think most of the top are quote unquote, like top hackers, you know, I speak to like all started off reporting NAs and informatives. And I think like Pete Yorsky talks about his book, how like when he first started, he, he wasn't reporting anything crazy. And I think most, most people do. It's kind of a thing you kind of have to feel your way through. Like you can maybe investigate, like you, reading through activity is great. Like Donut said, cause it's like, you know, you can kind of uh, feel that out easier, but I think it's kind of learned over time too. I think there's actually a bit of a downside with the hacktivity and don't get me wrong. I absolutely love disclosure and I think that it's like super awesome that everyone can learn from it. But the, the thing I have a problem with is like when people are disclosing the, inf like the informatives and NAs uh, because what that ends up happening, it's even worse when it's like they actually pity the hacker. They close the result, give them like 50 bucks because then that just gets blasted everywhere. Like the GitHub wiki one, man, that was Oh my God. Good. I love getting those. Um, but I will say, uh, reporting, uh, like the, the ones that are closed as informative are uh, the ones that I think are worth looking at are the ones where the companies have said, we're going to make this public because you're asking us to give you a bunch of money and you're behaving really badly. And you don't have any sort of legitimate link here. It's a guide for what not to do. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, well, it's um, getting kind of late, so I want to say thank you to uh, Sam, Donut, and Homestack for coming on and uh, talking to us. Is there um, any way that people can contact you if they want to follow up or do you encourage that? Their girlfriend's Facebook hacked. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who here has open DMs? <laughs> I unfortunately do. <laughs> um, both Donut and I, just not, not to plug myself, but both Donut, Donut and I do uh, streams on different random days about bug bounties. Right. So if interested in uh, learning about bug bounties, uh, I do it two, two to four times a week, um, just showing my process and doing random stuff on uh, Yahoo and a couple other companies. So if, if they go to your Twitter account, or is your Twitch uh, stream listed on your Twitter account? Yeah. Cool. Mine's not, but I guess I'll change that after this. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That's awesome. I'm glad to see that a lot of people are using Twitch for that purpose too. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's like awesome. I mean, I don't play any video games really, just play around with computers and it's like the same sort of I guess thought process in a lot of ways if you're making something or trying to break something. Um so it's definitely awesome to see that. Hell yeah. Um so yeah, um well I guess thanks for everybody for coming on and um we should uh Say our last words. Anybody have anything else to say before we turn off for the night? Mm. I call the MG to make it, so trust me, criminal. Shut the fuck up and get a lawyer. Shut the fuck up and get a lawyer. Uh, and space crimes. <laughs> More space crimes, please. Yeah. We should do the second crime, please. Yeah. See you, everyone. See you. Have a good night. Later.